Dirt Show, we're privileged to have a very, very important voice in the media today, uh, Christopher Ruddy, who is a friend. Uh, he uh, runs uh, Newsmax, which is becoming increasingly influential, watched by more and more people, and sometimes uh, controversial. Uh, Chris has a remarkable history in media and a remarkable ability to cross uh, party lines. Uh, among his friends, he counts Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. There aren't too many people who can say that. And I know I've seen uh, Chris in the presence of Donald Trump, uh, who uh, takes his advice very, very seriously. I wish he took his advice more seriously sometime. Uh, Chris uh, has worked in every aspect of media, and uh, today uh, his voice is among the most important. He was ranked among the 100 most important conservative voices in America, and today I would put him certainly among the top handful of such voices. But he's a libertarian. Uh, his views don't always correspond with those of the Republican Party or with uh, traditional conservatives. He's a libertarian. And uh, he strongly supports freedom of speech. Now, his own freedom of speech is under attack now, and that's why he's a guest this morning on The Der Show. We'll talk about the uh, McCarthyite uh, congressional hearings that have taken place and the McCarthyite efforts to try to get Newsmax taken off the air. You'll hear all about that when I interview Chris Reddy on The Der Show. Yesterday, I watched one of the most frightening congressional hearings that I've ever seen since the early days of the House Un-American Activities Committee uh, under McCarthyism in the early 1950s when I was just uh, a schoolboy. Uh, I watched uh, Democratic members of Congress basically urging cable providers to censor Newsmax, to censor Fox, and to censor other conservative voices. They claim they were just asking questions. And how can the asking of questions violate the spirit or the letter of the First Amendment? But listen to the question that was asked. Are you planning to continue to carry Fox News, Newsmax, on DirecTV, on AT&T, beyond any contract renewal date? If so, why? Is that a question? That's not a question. That's a threat. That's the kind of letter that Joseph McCarthy, that's the kind of letter that members of the House Un-American Activities Committee sent out to Hollywood studios, to television networks in the 1950s. Just questions. Why do you have these communists on the air? Why do you have these leftists on the air? Are you going to continue to have them? If so, why? And then they created Hollywood blacklists, red channels, and that's what we saw yesterday in Congress. What was missing yesterday was Chris Ruddy. What was missing yesterday were people representing these television networks that are being censored. And so it's my pleasure now to have as my guest, somebody who should have been at the congressional hearing yesterday but was not, my friend, the head of Newsmax and one of the great media people in the world today, Chris Ruddy. Welcome, Chris. Alan, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate that introduction. You know, you and I probably disagree on seven out of 10 issues, but we do agree on the basic fabric of our society, which is the Constitution. And we believe in free speech and all sorts. I've never been happy with what CNN and MSNBC, MSNBC report, uh, certainly not over the past several years. 
And I would never in like my wildest imagination think of myself saying that we should close down CNN or, M CNN or MSNBC or that we should ask providers to close them down. I believe that much in a free society and that we do and a free press. And the fact mm -hmm. that not only these congressmen, but, you know, CNN's operatives have been calling also the cable operators asking for us to be shut down, which is also curious because Newsmax TV is now the fourth largest cable channel. So they have a competitive interest in having us removed. They have a competitive interest in getting Fox out. So, um, you know, sometimes follow the money, too, on some of this. But it's out. It really is shocking to me. Uh, I wasn't there during the McCarthy era, but now I'm getting a feel for what it was like. So were you invited to appear in front of the congressional committee? Nobody invited me. No. And uh, some of my people in Washington talked to the Congress. They were not interested in having even the Republicans. They wanted more of an intellectual discussion about the First Amendment issues. And as you know, they had Mr. Turley, a professor from Georgetown there. But they didn't have uh, people representing you. Um, I would have been happy to speak on behalf of either Newsmax or the First Amendment. They had several people speaking against the First Amendment, uh, several so-called experts, including Soledad O'Brien, and others from the media, from the Columbia School of Journalism, who seemed to favor censorship. I think you put your finger on something. Today, one of the biggest problems is that the media— People in the media are calling for media censorship. Um, a, a group of hundreds of writers uh, sent a petition around urging publishers not to publish any books that were written by people who were enablers of the Trump administration. Uh, where is the ACLU? If this were the old days of McCarthyism, the ACLU would be right in front saying, hey, Congress, you can't do this. You can't hold hearings the purpose of which is to intimidate and threaten and frighten um, uh, uh, AT&T into taking Newsmax off the air. But we're seeing so many people who normally you would expect to support freedom of speech to be on the other side. As you say, Chris, we don't agree on a lot of things. And I watch Newsmax a lot, but I flip the channels. Um, I want to see what CNN is saying, and then I want to see what Newsmax is saying. I want to see what MSNBC is saying, and then I want to see what Fox is saying. Uh, today, there is no Walter Cronkite. There is nobody you can turn to and say, now I'm going to watch CBS News, I'm going to see what Walter Cronkite says, and I'm going to believe every word of it. Today, you have to go from channel to channel to try to get a sense of what you accept and what you don't accept. So, Chris, do you think that any of these providers, any of these satellite or cable uh, platforms are going to take seriously what these Congress people said? Or is your ability to be on television in danger, do you think? Sure. Uh, one of the reasons is that some of these operators have a, um, a conflict of interest. AT&T owns... CNN. CNN has been out aggressively calling for us to be deplatformed. Brian Stelter, a guy named Oliver Darcy. I mean, they say they're media critics, but they spend their time calling cable operators saying that, why are you putting Newsmax on? Um, and then you have um, Comcast owns MSNBC. Uh, they None of these guys like Newsmax because we're now getting approximately studies show about 30 million people, according to Nielsen, too watch Newsmax regularly, and we're getting about a third of the audience, interestingly enough, are Democrats. 
And they're, mm -hmm. they're all mm -hmm. looking at these numbers every day, shocked that Newsmax is rising. And I think, I think they're very concerned. I think that also we've seen in society, uh, you've been an observer a longer time than I have, but it used to be, I think, the left and the right had principles. There was Bill Buckley on the right. There was Alan Dershowitz on the left, right? And you were sort of old-fashioned in your ways. You disagree, but you'd have a set of core principles you'd actually both agree to. Now the left, and to a degree the right, I think, are into power. It's a power grab. And what we saw in Congress and the House was a decision that some of them have made that they're going to just destroy and put out of business their opponents. And I think that's a big turn and that um, some people in the major media, I, I think it was really disturbing some people in the major media, some people in Congress agree with that effort, and that there was not pushback from the New York Times editorial page, the Wall, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal criticized it, but the uh, Washington Post, that nobody said, hey, wait a minute, you know, you might not like Newsmax, but you really can't say they should be out of business. Yeah, it's uh, free speech for me, but not for thee. But you mentioned something that I was not aware of, and that is that there are conflicts of interest. You call it a conflict of interest. I call it an antitrust violation. If you have people who both own the uh, satellite and cable providers and also decide who gets on television, that creates a real antitrust problem. And if if anything ever happens, if any of these providers cancel you uh, and it can be demonstrated that they get an economic advantage uh, from that through the increasing the viewership on channels that they own, that really does uh, open up the possibility of a, a significant antitrust suit. Look, we're going to see antitrust suits now in the social media and across um, a media world, um, that, that's a problem, too, because it impacts on the First Amendment. But you can't engage in monopoly practices to keep competitors off the air. So uh, I'm sure you're gearing up for all these kinds of lawsuits that may result uh, in the future from these congressional and other hearings. I know Republicans are also considering having hearings about Section 230, about antitrust laws. So we're going to see a lot more attention paid to these issues. Where do you think it's going, Chris? Well, Alan, it's interesting. There's another bigger conflict that's underway in Congress in the subtext of the hearings yesterday. The two prime movers of closing down Newsmax and One America and Fox are two congressmen. One is uh, Congresswoman Eshoo and Congressman right. McNerney. McNerney. Um, they both are from Silicon Valley. They both represent right. Silicon Valley. It was pointed out to us that, and they make an issue of this in their letter, which they sent out, as you quoted there, one of the questions that they asked the operators. Um, they mentioned that they're really concerned about television and not social media, and that they say that social media is not as big an influence as television is. Uh, and they're using some clever, clever stuff, and there's sort of like misinformation on their part. But social media is Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all these other companies that are, I think, guilty of allowing of being platforms of massive disinformation. And they're saying, we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about legacy cable channels like Fox or now Newsmax. So it's interesting. It's definitely, and people in Washington in the know, 
say this is the Democrats are trying to get people off of the social media and onto the cable systems and focusing on Fox and the sort of a strategy that they have. Uh, and I and the letter clearly indicates that it is true that most Americans get their information from news on television. Uh, but most of that is not cable news, believe it or not. It's local TV news. 70% of Americans get their news from the 6 o'clock news or whatever they get in the local community. And if Congress wants to look at the impact of local news, they should. Uh, and there are issues there. But to, to Newsmax has, um, we're in uh, over 100 million uh, homes right now through cable mm -hmm. and through mm -hmm. OTT platforms. Um, and uh, Fox is in almost a similar number, et cetera. So, uh, but the bigger impact has always been local news. But again, there's a big conflict and social media is trying to hide from the 230 issues that people should be looking at. Well, you know, they're not going to be able to hide from it and uh, there will be attention paid to it. Uh, for me, the best quote came from Bill Sapphire, the great conservative columnist in the New York Times, who said many years ago, every American has the right to complain about what's on television except Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam has no right to complain about what's on television. Uncle Sam is the umpire. Uncle Sam is like the referee in a football game. Uh, the referee in a football game doesn't go over to one coach and say, by the way, I don't like the way you're playing your running game. You ought to do more passing. Uh, and the United States government has no right to tell Newsmax or Fox, no right to go into their editorial rooms, no right to go into their newsrooms, and no right to put pleasure, pressure on TV cable carriers. I want to just read you another one of the questions. Here's another one of the questions. These are so-called questions. And the congresswoman said, how can you violate the First Amendment if you're just asking questions? Here's the question. Have you taken any adverse actions against Fox News, Newsmax, for using your platform to disseminate disinformation. Is that a question? Have you taken any adverse actions? It's a demand. Take adverse actions against these people. Not a word about CNN. CNN, I have to tell you, I watch a lot of television because I flip the channels. Of all the TV stations, all the cable stations, CNN is absolutely the worst. They doctor tapes. They edit statements. They turn people's statements around. They lie about what people say. I know. I was a victim of that. You recall, Chris, that when I made my statement in front of the Senate last year uh, against the impeachment, I said that if a president engaged in unlawful or illegal or any kind of criminal or criminal-type behavior, he could be impeached. They took those words out of my statement. They doctored the edit. They edited the tape and doctored it out. And then they had their paid commentators go on television and say, Dershowitz says a president can't be impeached even if he commits illegal, unlawful, criminal-type actions. Exactly the opposite of what I said. And yet you don't hear any of the members of Congress calling CNN to task for that. They do it repeatedly, so it's very selective censorship. One of the things, Chris, that they also are talking about is restoring the fairness doctrine. You remember the fairness doctrine. It grew out of the uh, McCarthy period again and the Cold War, and the Reagan administration abolished it. It required stations like Newsmax, if you present one side of an issue, to present the other side of an issue. Where do you stand on that? I know I have concerns about it because I don't think the government should be making decisions about what's fair. Where do you stand on that, Chris? You know, they had the fairness doctrine. A lot of people thought the media was not all that fair. 
and that it tended to skew, at least the Republicans and the conservatives felt it tended to skew against them. What the media oftentimes is fair, um, you know, I'll give you an example. MSNBC and CNBC say they're fair and balanced. They have Republican commentators on. Did you know that 80%, 70 or 80%, there was a study done of the folks that um, uh, the Republican commentators on CNN and MSNBC endorsed Joe Biden for president. So you could hardly say when the polls, exit polls, showed 94, 90 plus percent of Republicans voted for Donald Trump, uh, that 70, 80 percent. What we want is a diverse press. You don't want the government sort of regulating what is fair, what is true, what is false. And I think Reagan, by abolishing that, said, look, the more press and media there is, um, the better there is. And that's why I'm and I join with liberal friends on this that want more competition in media. They don't like media conglomerates. Um, and I, Republicans have tended now in recent years to accept these giant media, telecommunication, internet conglomerates. I think they're bad. I think they should be broken up. Um, so I would disagree with some of my Republican friends on that. And, you know, getting back, you mentioned a whole bunch of things about the letter. You know, the Democrats here, what they're really saying is when they say that the like the satellite companies and the cable companies should start policing the information providers, sort of like calling the phone company and say, you know, there's a lot of misinformation shared by people on the phone. Can you start listening in and interrupting the calls? Do you go to the post office and say, you know, there's a lot of crazy groups that send mail out. Could you start opening the mail and interrupting? You know, you just the absurdity of it. And you don't go to the librarian and say, would you start going through all the books and tell me what's true or not? You know, I keep going back to Jefferson's second inaugural. It's a very short inaugural, uh, and it's online. People should read it because it sounds like today. And basically, and you, you're familiar with it, he excoriates. Most of it's about the media and the press. He says, they have said the most malicious lies about me and my family. They've been nasty. They've been horrible. They're giving... Uh, defamatory statements. He said, now we could regulate the press. He said, but there's dangers to that. And he said, the really key thing is two things, having a diverse press and an informed citizenry, now I'm paraphrasing here, educated citizenry that can make decisions. I remember they were saying, well, Facebook had a story that the Pope endorsed Donald Trump and that must have skewed the election in, in Catholic. I mean, ridiculous, right? Um, if you know, informed people are not going to believe that the Pope is endorsing Joe Biden, or of course, and of and course. they're probably not even voting. Um, but you know, the, you take it to their to the logical extension of what they're saying, and it's not only absurd, but it also becomes sort of dangerous because you you're walking down a path to dictatorship, in my mind, and it plays into this power grab that's going on. How do we fight back? Uh, we fight back on the Dirt Show every day by railing against these efforts to censor. I write books. I have a new book coming out called The Case Against the New Censors, Big Tech uh, Progressives and uh, Universities. Uh, you have a lot of um, material on your uh, channel uh, against uh, repression. What else can we do to fight back? How do we persuade the American public this is not good for our citizenry. It's not good for democracy. This is not the American way. Jefferson's was the American way. As you know, as you said, 
Jefferson was attacked repeatedly. Uh, people attacked him, ganged up on him. Uh, the Sedition Act was directed largely against him and other Jeffersonians, and he abolished it as soon as he got into office. How do we fight back in 2021? So I guess a really big discussion. We should pull, convene a meeting of all the great minds, and starting with you, Alan, discuss it. But you know, you are very fortunate in that you have a microphone and a megaphone, n not with one platform, but many, and you're famous and you have the ability to get your word out. A lot of people don't. Think about this group, Pauler, that was cut off and they didn't have any place to go. Right. Um, they made it difficult. I was listening to uh, a lecture on YouTube this morning, actually, um, and he's basically saying, I, I'm going to be careful here now talking about the election or here, careful about because I like the ability I have to YouTube to reach the people, but I don't want to be cut off from YouTube. They have taken down on YouTube videos. We did an interview with President Trump recently, and he mentioned that the election was stolen. YouTube actually took that video down. We had no appeal. Wow, wow. Uh, it's supposed yeah. to be an open forum, which gives them 230 privileges, right? So they can't be sued, but they are going in and selectively editing. We had to go in and edit the video and take out the portions and put it up there. Not that I wanted to do it, but it was the only. So I do. But, you think know, even they are very selective. Uh, I challenge their I challenge their policy. I purposely had Joel Pollack on my podcast because Joel had written a book basically questioning the election. I don't agree with that. I don't myself think the election was stolen. Um, I agree with basically Justice Thomas is dissenting opinion just the other day when he said they should have taken the Pennsylvania case. I think the Pennsylvania courts did violate the Constitution, but there weren't enough votes to change the outcome of the election. But in any event, I had Joel Pollack on, and Joel Pollack violated YouTube policies by questioning the election. And I challenged YouTube to take down that podcast but they didn't do it. They didn't accept my challenge because they knew if they did, I would be suing them. I would be challenging Section 230. So they go after some people, but not after others. And it's the selective censorship that is probably as troubling as the censorship at all. Chris, I, I know we're running out of your time. I wanted to, I've always dying to ask you this personal question. I hope you don't mind. You're friendly with both Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. You may be the only person on the face of the earth who can say that. I guess I can say that. I think I'm still friendly with Bill Clinton. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him since I defended uh, President Trump. But I know you're friendly with both of them. How do you manage to do that? Well, you know, there's a lot of history here, too, because um, I was friends with Bill Clinton for a long time. I was friends, been friends with Donald Trump for, for over 20 years now. Um, and I got to know Trump when he was a pretty strong Democrat. He would fundraise for, for people like Chuck Schumer and others. Uh, I know that seems like ancient history to a lot of maybe your listeners and others, but they actually liked each other, and the Clintons and Trumps were fairly friendly, went to weddings and parties and events, and were donors to, uh, to Trump raise money for Hillary Clinton's election. So, you know, there is shared history. Things got very tense politically, but I've still remained good terms with President Clinton, who I deeply admire and I like. And I think he was a guy that um, uh, tried to build the center. And uh, I think he really loved the idea of championing uh, America around the world. And I really came to admire him during the war on terror, 
when most Democrats were attacking George W. Bush and Bill Clinton was out sort of as an ambassador to the rest of the world supporting the Bush policies. People forget that. Hillary Clinton voted for the war in Iraq. That's the reason she lost the 2008 election uh, to Barack Obama. So it's not, you know, Republicans like to cast a, a, a foul look at the Clintons, but I think that the, certainly on Bill Clinton's record, it's very good. Um, and I just, you know, I, my view is if Donald Trump wanted to stop being a friend of me, mine because I'm a friend of Bill Clinton's, you know, be my guest. But Donald Trump knows I'm friendly with a lot of people on both sides. He knows I'm friendly with a lot of, I brought Maggie Haberman to, um, to Mar-a-Lago twice to have dinner. I'm friends with her for many, many years. I had worked with her husband when I was at the New York Post. Um, and the president sort of, Donald Trump has a lot more bandwidth than people think. He might try to make a lot of uh, excrete, uh, exclama uh, exclamatory statements on Twitter and other things that get people upset, but he's a lot more open-minded, I think, in person. And I've always found him that way. And um, it's all for the good, I think. I, I think he so got a lot we of, use unfortunately, you? he had a lot of not good advice as president because uh, I think he he really had the ability to be a more of a center president and would have won re-election with a much bigger margin uh, than having lost the election. I do believe that he lost the election, by the way, and that it was the results were legitimate, although I do believe that the mail-in ballots uh, shenanigans like you referred to on how they changed the rules uh, were not good and that uh, could have cost him the margins in some states. Look, I, I, you're a man of great uh, nuance and, and sensitivity. Um, how do we learn? How do we use you as more of a model? I think Americans today crave a return to the center. I think many Americans crave uh, the ability to speak to each other the way you can speak to both sides, the way I used to debate Bill Buckley. Uh, today we're seeing friendships being ended, uh, family relationships being destroyed over how to pick sides. How do we get back to a situation where we can, where we can talk to each other? Do you think the Biden administration is going to help do that? Because Biden obviously was a more centrist candidate among the Democrats who were seeking the presidency. He was the most centrist. Do you think that holds a promise of moving us more to the center? I think we dodged a bullet by getting Joe Biden. I mean, imagine if it was Elizabeth Warren, we'd be in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden essentially in his heart of hearts is a centrist. So I think that's the plus side, but we're not really seeing in a lot of his initial policy decisions. I think his personnel decisions, I've written about this on Newsmax, are pretty good. They're fairly centrist. They're experienced people. Like Merrick Garland, I've always thought pretty highly of him. Um, so yeah. I think when you, you see those choices, that's good. But Joe, so in answer to your question, Alan, you know, um, maybe it's from my Catholicism, but, you know, Thomas Aquinas said, you don't, you really don't have a virtue until you practice the virtue and that you need to practice the virtue to actually make it become a virtue. So what that means is that we have to practice proving that we're the center. Like I can be friendly with Bill Clinton. You can be friendly with Chris Ruddy. We're demonstrating to people that we can actually work together, right? By having this conversation, liberal conservative, that's how we make that happen again. When Joe Biden comes in as president and he says, you know, I really don't want to go after Trump and bring all these things, but he agrees to the impeachment, which doesn't even right. have a constitutional basis. 
what is he's doing? He's saying, I don't want to practice this virtue that I'm talking about. Bill Clinton, at least, you know, when he went through his impeachment, it was incredible about this guy. They threw everything in the kitchen sink at him, and he kept meeting with Newt Gingrich and the Republicans say, hey, I want to do a deal. Let's do welfare reform. Let's do this. Let's balance the budget. I mean, that's the model that we should be using where you ignore all this riffraff and political stuff. But I'm not sure that people want to, you know, I mentioned to some Democrat, I said, why doesn't Joe like show that he's a little independent? He said, well, he's got a base like you guys got a base and he wants to appeal to that base. I, I'm like, aye, 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 aye. we're never going to get out of this mess if everybody's yeah. constantly appealing to their base. Well, you talk about uh, virtue, and I want to talk a little bit about courage, because I don't think we see a lot of courage being shown today. Uh, for example, on the congressional hearings yesterday, you would think that some libertarian Democrats would have stood up and opposed that. You would think that some libertarian Democrats who believe in the Constitution would have opposed the impeachments, and yet they voted straight down party line because they're terrified about losing their base. And it's very hard today. And I don't think John Kennedy could write a book today called Profiles and Courage uh, that would be more than four or five pages long. It would be very, very hard to fill such a book because courage is not a virtue that a lot of people are showing today. You've shown courage over the years. You have confronted your friends. You have confronted the Republicans, the conservatives. I think I've shown courage confronting the Democrats but I wish there were more people who could show that. Uh, I know we have limited amount of time with you. So, Chris, I want you to get the last word. Um, tell us where do you think we're going from here and what we can do to make America better, other than everybody should watch Newsmax and everybody should well, read Newsmax. I write op-eds for Newsmax. I love doing that. And um, uh, tell us tell us where what what else you think we well, can Well, Alan, do? I would only qualify saying everyone is watching Newsmax, obviously, and we're talking right. about it all the time. So it's good that we're in the news. But, um, you know, I'm, courage is, uh, again, another one of those virtues you got to practice in. And like I, I've always been for immigration. I've disagreed with the president on this. I think I think had he been more pro-immigration, I think securing the border was fine and great. And that was had really strong support and makes sense in the post 9-11 world, other reasons. But we need immigrants. We're a country of immigrants. Uh, Donald Trump himself is the son of an immigrant, the grandson of immigrants. Mm -hmm. It's insane that the Republican Party is not the party of immigration and legitimate legal immigration. I think they should deal, do a deal with the Democrats. Uh, maybe it's not an eight-year path to citizenship, but a 10-year, we get past two, two presidentials. Restitution, uh, the Democrats throw in protective barriers at the border and not allow everybody coming across like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think we do a deal. Like, that's a sensible thing, and it's good for everybody and good for the country. Um, and I Look, think I we need those type of decisions. The Democrats need to admit Donald Trump closed the air traffic to China under severe criticism. Even Fauci told him not to do it. He's a hero in my book. He did billions of dollars for the vaccine. People thought that it was a waste of money. It would take years. And he's already been proven right on those two big decisions. You might not like Donald Trump, the style, but the decisions, I think, were pretty good. We need to start admitting truths what we like, what we don't like, and what's honest and true to principle. And I think that's going to start bringing us down a path where we can work together and still disagree, 
but get things done that are good for the country. Look, I have always thought that Donald Trump's biggest mistake was not bringing you into the White House and making you either his chief of staff or one of his high-level political advisors. Your advice to him has always been sound. It was to move a little bit more to the center. If he had listened to you, I think we'd have a, a different picture of Donald Trump. But he did listen to you sometimes, but I don't think he listened to you well, enough. Well, you made that crazy suggestion once at the dinner we were at and i and i said to the president when he smiled i said as you know the president can't afford my rates uh and that well, was a you joke. would have done it and pro bono for the united that, states you know, i know that um, and job, uh, it would have been great if you had been his advisor just one more point about what you said how republicans should support immigration people tend to forget that the the, the two worst presidents when it came to immigration involving my people were two Democrats, and that is, number one, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He closed the door. He could have saved millions and millions of lives of Jews. Remember, people forget that Hitler's first goal was to get rid of the Jews of Europe. If somebody else would take them in, he wouldn't have put them in gas chambers and in death camps. And the United States absolutely shut its doors under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And then Woodrow Wilson was the one who introduced uh, racial quotas to America, keeping out Irish Americans, keeping out uh, Jewish Americans, keeping out Italian Americans, keeping out Greek Americans, uh, imposing all these quotas. So the Democrats have a lot to apologize about in terms of immigration. And I would think both parties ought to get together because we are a nation of immigrants. All of us are the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren of immigrants. We or what America has been great is that we have so many people from so many different backgrounds and, and cultures. So uh, you and I agree with that as well. And I just want to thank you, Chris, for taking time. I know how busy you are. You're, you're running a company that is doing amazingly well. And I'm so proud to be affiliated with you as uh, one of your legal analysts. And uh, I, I really appreciate your well, coming on my show, as and you I know, hope we I'm, can together I'm, fight against the forces of censorship. As I know, as you know, I um, I'm a great admirer of yours, Alan, but also I believe that you are truly what Jack Kennedy wrote about when he talked about a profile in courage, and you've proven that time and time again. And uh, you, I've I've always been amazed how much you've been willing to w risk your your public status, your career, and by taking on issues that are not popular, including the uh, defending the president during that wild impeachment thing. So, um, I mean, my hat is off to you, and I'm trying to follow in your footsteps uh, on trying to speak out on things where I, I know that it might hurt my base or friends or supporters. I might add that Newsmax is now not only on most cable, all the major cable systems in the United States, but we're also free on an app on most uh, Pluto and Zumo. And, but you can download your, the Newsmax TV app on your smartphone, and more than 5 million people have done so since Election Day. And that's one way of bypassing the big media and uh, getting a viewpoint that you might not be hearing elsewhere. Well, good. Look, everybody ought to be watching Newsmax, listening to Newsmax, reading Newsmax. Chris, thank you so much for uh, honoring me and honoring the show by your presence and keep doing uh, great things. Be well. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. I'll be back on soon. After hearing Chris Reddy, I think you will understand why I feel so strongly 
that he must remain on the air and that these uh, members of Congress who want to take him off the air, who want to censor him, who want to prevent you and me from hearing his wise words, uh, are engaging in activities which are so un-American that they remind me of the McCarthyism of the late 1940s and early 1950s. On The Der Show, we will always fight against that form of McCarthyism, whether it comes from the right or it comes from the left. And I think, again, watching Chris Reddy, who is conservative and who tends to be Republican, and me, who is a liberal and a Democrat, we share a libertarianism, we share a love of the Constitution, we share a complete support for the First Amendment and freedom of speech. And on The Der Show, we're going to try to have more and more guests and more and more questions and more and more comments about how we can use our united love for the Constitution, our united love for America, and for good things that all Americans stand for to bring us together rather than separate us. I think that one of the goals of The Der Show is to promote the widest diversity of free speech, the widest diversity of political opinion, and also in an effort to try to show commonality, to show where we stand together. Sure, we will disagree. We will disagree about a woman's right to choose abortion. We will disagree about gay marriage. We will disagree about gun control. We might disagree about the climate. We might disagree about the election. We might disagree about mail-in ballots. There's room for reasonable disagreement, but we can disagree without being disagreeable. In my conversations with Ruddy, like my old conversations with Bill Buckley, I think uh, show the way toward having reasonable disagreements. And believe it or not, I change my mind sometimes. I have been persuaded by people like Bill Buckley and, and, and Chris Ruddy to sometimes change my more liberal views and move closer to conservative views. And I hope I help some people change their views and move closer to the center. But you'll always hear all sides of every issue of importance on The Der Show. Tomorrow, we'll take more of your questions. Today, obviously, we wanted to give the time to Chris Ruddy. But please keep calling in. Keep subscribing. Keep giving comments. And keep being the wits for The Der Show. An important part of The Der Show is your voice, your questions, your comments. Please call 24-7. The number is 216 710 0050. Keep your comments short and to the point. Again, the number for you to call 24-7 is 216-710-0050. Hard questions, criticisms, everything's fine. Just keep your questions short and I'll answer them all on The Dirt Show.